Episode 20 of No Eye Contact. You might be noticing I'm able to use both my, well, if you're not listening, if you're watching, I'm using both of my hands because my good friend Allie for, can I help you, bitch? Also, Honey's here. Um, I guess I didn't give her a good enough intro. I just started. Hi. Um, I think she's, she's, she's going to go. <clears throat> My good friend Allie got me a microphone stand. So now I can I can really talk with my hands. And also hopefully we'll cut down on the amount of noise because I like to talk with my hands. So we'll hear less those kind of noises. Anyways, what the fuck is good? Today I am recording on a Wednesday. It is January 19th. I feel like I should start including when I record this because, um, I just, I don't know. I want to. That's why. <laughs> um, also, I wish I would say umless. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, my last podcast, I definitely, I feel like I need to say something. On my last podcast, I went a little hard on Lin-Manuel Miranda and I don't want to say sorry per se, but I just want to say, you know, if you like Lin-Manuel Miranda or you like Encanto or you like, I almost said hereditary, Hamilton, <laughs> then hey, good for you. I, I wish that I could enjoy it too. I really do. And I'm not saying that he's bad and I'm not saying that you're bad for liking him. I'm just saying he's not for me. It is what it is. I liked Tick, Tick, Boom. He did a good job directing. So. That's all I will say about the Lin-Manuel Miranda slander. But the slander is still welcome on this podcast. I will say that. <clears throat> so I'm just going to jump right into it because honestly, I have less than an hour. Fuck, I hit the microphone. I have less than an hour and then I I'm I have a date to watch Euphoria with my friend Soul. So we got to get through the shit and it's a lot of shit. So I, I didn't know about this. I try to tell the only friend I tried to talk to about this was my friend, Aaron and Aaron acted like she knew about this already. So I had never heard about this. So I was listening to this podcast I like called Benchtopia, which is also a great podcast. Um, and they mentioned radium girls and I was like, this sounds like a dope-ass band. What is that? Not a band. Really fucked up thing that happened. And so I spent literally this whole weekend, like, researching this and learning about it. And now I want to share it with you and talk about it. So, Radium Girlies. So, let you know, let's let's backtrack to... 1896 <laughs> when radium is first discovered by Henry 
Bequirrel, which actually I think they like use his last name to measure radium. Like they'll be like, it's this many Bequirrels. It's the human body has already already has this many Bequirrels. And I don't know if I'm saying that right. And I'm not going to look it up. So, <clears throat> but so basically they discover radium and they think that it is a miracle. They think it is the best thing ever. And they named it, uh, this is a quote, the naming of radium dates to about 1899 from the French word radium formed in modern Latin from radius, ray. This was in recognition of radium's power of emitting energy in the form of rays. In 1903, these two chemists, Pierre and Marie Curie, they win a joint Nobel Prize with the original guy, Henry Becquerel, for their work on radioactivity. And during this time period, again, they, they think it's amazing. They start putting it in everything. They start putting it in like toothpaste and like hair creams, makeup. Uh, they think that it cures cancer. So they're using it on cancer patients. <clears throat> and it turns out, even though they're doing this and they're giving it to the public, the scientists like understood the damaging effects of radiation exposure. And one of the guys who won the Nobel Prize, Pierre, he said in a 1903 interview, and this is a quote, he would not care to trust himself in a room with a kilo of pure radium as it would doubtless destroy his eyesight and burn all the skin off his body and probably kill him. He died on accident four years later, but Marie, his wife, I guess, um, died in 1934 of radiation related illnesses from working so closely with it. It says her lab notebooks are so highly contaminated with radium that even to this day, you cannot like safely handle them. And they are just like in giant lead boxes because they're still so fucking contaminated. In 1906, this guy, Dr. Sabin von Sochaki, again, not going to look up how to say these names, just going to really just kind of wing it. Um, he studied quote, all there is to know about radiation under that couple, the Curies, obviously before they died. And in 1913, he developed a self-luminous paint that he called Undark. So like the glow in the dark shit we have now is, you know, you put it in the sun and the sun like charges it up and then, and then it glows. But through it's something with zinc sulfide and radium they like mix it and basically it's like you don't have to charge it in the sun it just already is glow in the dark because of the radium but so he uses this paint called undark to paint specifically for the military uh watches airplane dials nuclear nuclear panels instrument dials aircraft aircraft switches watches and then he's hired by the united states radium corporation which is in new jersey okay then in 1917 he himself dr shachaki is this is a quote so heavily contaminated with radioactivity that his presence caused false readings when measuring the levels of purity of radium salts taken in the electroscope laboratory at the plant and then in 1928 he dies at age 45 so 
Um, again, so people think it's like a fucking miracle product. And they think that it can cure a bunch of illnesses, including cancer. And this is fucking, this is what I read about them. Because I was like, how did they think that, what were they doing to, with cancer? So, this is crazy, and this is a quote. <clears throat> Howard Outward, ha a really loud car just drove by. Howard Atwood Kelly, one of the founding physicians of John Hopkins Hospital, was a major pioneer in the medical use of radium to treat cancer. His first patient was his own aunt in 1904, who died shortly after surgery. Kelly was known to use excessive amounts of radium to treat various cancers and tumors. As a result, some of his patients died from radium exposure. His method of radium application... <laughs> this is insane. His method of radium application was inserting a radium capsule near the affected area and then sewing the radium points directly to the tumor. He would literally insert radium into your cancer and sew you up and be like, that should fix it. And then most of them fucking died. There was also a lot of like medicines and shit that they were putting radium in. Um, they were using nasal radium irradiation on children to prevent middle ear problems or enlarged tonsils from the 1940s to the 1970s. Um, used in medicine to produce radon gas used as a cancer treatment, but then it was discovered that radium exposure can lead to anemia, cancer, and genetic mutations. So, and actually, so I read about this one specific radium product called Radithor, and it was a patent medicine. It was a triple distilled water containing radium. And it was, you know, oh, it can, it can cure headaches. It can, it'll, it even said like it could cure impotence, which I had to Google what that is. And it's erectile dysfunction. They were like, oh, this, this shit will give you boners. This shit makes you hard. Um, and also it'll take away that goddamn headache. And it did other stuff. I can't remember what it said. <laughs> so the owner of Radithor was William J.A. Bailey. He was a Harvard dropout and not a medical doctor at all. And he advertised this water as, quote, a cure for the living dead and, quote, perpetual sunshine. Which, not gonna lie, that's actually, like, pretty sick taglines if it wasn't actually, like, killing people. Um... It was a very expensive product. It was a very expensive product. And I think the big thing that made it finally people were like, okay, maybe this is not good for us was there was this very famous rich American socialite, which to be honest, I don't even know what that means. I don't know what a socialite, you know what? Let's, I'll Google that. What the fuck is a socialite? I'm imagining like the arc, the Kardashians a socialite because I'm imagining someone who hasn't ever, who hasn't really done anything but is still considered like a celebrity. Socialite definition. I also, Paris Hilton popped in my mind. <laughs> a person who is well-known in fashionable society and is fond of social activities and entertainment. Okay, so just a celebrity? What does that mean? Is socialite a derogatory term? Apparently in India, it is a derogatory term. When I Googled socialite, it says American socialites, and there's like four people 
for so I don't know who these people are, but one of them is Paris Hilton. So a socialite is a person, typically a woman from a wealthy and possibly aristocratic background who is prominent in high society. A socialite generally spends a significant amount of time attending various fashionable social gatherings instead of having traditional employment. Okay, yeah. So literally just basically a influencer. <laughs> a talentless influencer. But so basically this dude, there was like this kind of famous socialite named Eben Byers. It says he was a socialite, athlete, industrialist, and a Yale College graduate. And he was big into Radathor. And he actually died from it at age, not age, in 1932. And when that happened, people were like, oh, maybe this isn't that great. Um, and he had to be buried in a lead-lined coffin. And he was exhumed in 1965 to be studied. And his remains were still highly radioactive. And his death led to the FDA strengthening their powers, and it also led to the downfall of most radiation-based patent medicines. And in 1990, Wall Street Journal posted, posted, published a article about his death titled, The Radium Water Worked Fine Until His Jaw Came Off. Mic drop. Pretty iconic. Um, so back to the paint. <clears throat> so undark, this paint. It is a mix of glue, water, and radium powder. This is a quote. The key ingredient was approximately 1 million times more active than uranium. It was used to paint glow-in-the-dark watches, nuclear panels, aircraft switches, clocks, and instrument dials for World War I and World War II. Mainly for World War I. World War I. Because by the time World War II rolled around, this shit had gone down. So, the company that hired that guy who made the paint... U.S. Radium Corporation. They are in Orange, New Jersey. I keep touching the thing. They're in Orange, New Jersey. <clears throat> and listen to this shit. So, the management and the scientists of the company knew that, you know, it was a little bit dangerous to be handling radium. So, they would wear masks, gloves. They would have lead screens. Um, they would use tongs when they handled the radium. But they did not protect their workers like that. They hired a bunch of young women to um, paint to paint all, like numbers on all these dials and clocks and shit. And the reason they hired young women is because they were like, oh, they have small, dainty hands so they can paint the numbers easier. And they told them like it's completely harmless. And this was they were still also being like, radium's a miracle thing, blah, blah, blah. It's good for you, blah, blah, blah. And so they told them, that in order to get like the the most fine line you can get, uh, you needed to like have your paintbrush in a point. So between each time you painted, you needed to dip it in your mouth to like make the paintbrush point. And so they were literally like told to do, it was called like lip dip paint, lip dip paint. And so... Between each time, they're putting fucking radium in their mouth. Mm -mm -mm -mm. And they're also being told, like, again, they think it's fine. Oh, and they're being paid. Um, oh, here's how much they're being paid. So in peak production, 
they were making $55,200 dials made per year per dial painter. The rate was $250 dials a day, dials a day at a penny and a half per dial, which was $3.75 a day, which was considered a good pay at that time. Um, and then for fun, these women, because the shit's like glow in the dark and you, they just think it's like magic. Um, they would like paint their nails with it. They would paint their teeth with it. They would like paint their face with it. And some of them would like decorate their hair with it. And they would like go out dancing at night. And like, they thought they were the shit and they're being like encouraged. They're being told it's fine. It's completely harmless. Like fucking keep, keep putting the shit in your mouth so you can push out more dials so I can pay you more money so we can make more money. Um, so as early as 1917, dial painters and other workers started to become aware of their deteriorating health conditions. The first people to really notice were dentists. Dentists began to see a lot of dental pain, loose teeth, lesions, ulcers, and failure of tooth extractions to heal. And there's the first written reference by a dentist in 1924 named this radium jaw. And they, he, this is a quote, it's a painful swelling and porosity of the upper and lower jaws that ultimately led to many of their deaths. And I saw it being described as a honeycombing of your jaws. Like literally their jaws just started like. I don't, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know, bro. Um, the women would stop having periods. They would become unable to get pregnant. If they were already pregnant, they would usually have stillbirths or the doctors would encourage them to terminate the pregnancy because they were like, we're not going to, they would, this is a quote, would not permit development of the fetus. Like. Cause it caused so many fucking like birth defects and shit. Um, and there were also extreme deformities in body structure, fractures and shortening of limbs. Um, so here's like kind of a timeline now of this shit as the shit gets rolling. So 1923, the first dial painter dies and before she died, her jaw fell away from her skull. Her fucking jaw fell off of her head. 1924, U.S. Radium hires a Harvard physiologist consultant but would not let him publish his findings that said that the dial painter's medical problems were caused by radium. The company even went so far as to create a fraudulent positive report under his name to the Department of Labor, which they like later found out was fraud. Um, by 1924, 50 women who have worked at the plant are sick and dozens have died. Can I help you, bitch? Honey's here. Um. Oh, this shit's crazy. So people are starting to, to get sick and, or women specifically, women are starting to get sick and die from radium poisoning. And... When they try to, you know, speak out about it or ask questions or anything, uh, the, the company starts urging medical professionals to, to 
say that it was a different cause. Specifically, they started saying syphilis. They started saying, say that these women had syphilis and that's what killed them. So, and in that time, that, like, because, like, when, how do I put this in the right way? Um, during that time period, that was, like, super basically if you were like oh they died from syphilis and sti you're like oh they were a fucking whore and like it was super disrespectful and like and it was just a lie it was a fucking lie <laughs> um and so yeah so also it like attempted to smear this is that's what i'm trying to say it fucked with the women's reputation by being like, oh, they died of syphilis. Oh, she has syphilis. Um, and not being like, no, it's this fucking company. But so, 1925, a independent st statistician, statistician, someone who does statistics <laughs> from Prudent Insurance Company, documented incurable jaw infections and anemia among two dead and 12 living dial painters. 1925, Essex County Medical Examiner noted, quote, detection of gamma rays from living dial painters and the exhalation of radon from their lungs. In 1925, a sister of a former dial painter dies from radiation exposure caused by sharing a bed with her sister. Literally, she's not even, she's not even out there licking the radon. Just from sharing the bed. <clears throat> and then, uh... Chief Medical Examiner Harrison Stanford Martlin in New Jersey published a report in 1925 that identified the radioactive material the women had ingested as the cause of their bone disease and a plastic anemia and ultimately death. 1926, U.S. Radium stops production of radium salts, closes their New Jersey plant, and moves to New York City. 1928, Surgeon General and Public Health Service require rigid and continuous inspection of radium plants and require hourly allocation of radium, use of hoods, and medical monitoring of employees. 1929, U.S. Department of Labor identifies 23 fatalities due to radon poisoning. Rad radon. Radium poisoning. 1931, the examiner reports five deaths from bone cancer among a sample of 18 former dial painters. The other 13 were from various related diseases. The doctor stated this proved that radiation could cause cancer. 1959, the deaths recorded from radiation exposure reached 45. <clears throat> so, going back a little bit. So, this is in New Jersey for U.S. Radium Corporation. So in 1927, Grace Fryer, she she used to be a dial painter. This is five years after she quit the job, and she's now working at like a, or no, sorry, I don't I don't think it's five years since she I don't know how long to she since she quit the job. It's five years since her symptoms began. Okay, and she decides to sue U.S. Radium Corporation. For, you know, letting her ingest a harmful fucking chemical that is literally killing her. And it took her two years to find a lawyer who was even willing to, like, take on the case of this giant fucking corporation. 
And so once she finds the lawyer, once she like, you know, makes her lawsuit, um, four more sick factory workers join her. Edna Hussman, Catherine Schaub, and sisters Quinita McDonald and Albina Larice. And they become known as Radium Girls. Um, in nineteen twenty eight they had their first court appearance and they two of them were bedridden and they were all so like sick and weak that none of them could raise their arm to like take the oath and grace was unable to walk and needed a back brace to sit up and had lost all of her teeth oh god um for the next hearing they were too ill to go all of them and it just kept getting pushed back by u.s radium kept getting pushed back and then uh before the like big trial an out of court settlement was reached us radium was basically like hey we'll give you like a shit ton of money to like shut the fuck up um and so they agreed not to hold us radium liable oh also they were given this offer because like they weren't really expected to live much longer so um oh uh, sorry let me back up an out-of-court settlement was reached, and the women reluctantly accepted the offer as they were not expected to live much longer. Um, they agreed to not hold U.S. radium liable and were given $10,000 each, which in, 20, which in 2020, that would be $151,000. They were given $600 per year, which would, in 2020 would be $9,000 a year. And then they were also given $12 a week, which in 2020 would be $200 a week. And then they were, all their medical and legal expenses would be covered by U.S. Radium. Paid by the company. And after the court settlement, U.S. Radium's president, Clarence Lee, stated, quote, We unfortunately gave work to a great many people who were physically unfit to procure employment in other lines of industry. Cripples and persons similarly similarly incapacitated were engaged. What was then considered an act of kindness on our part has since been turned against us. Literally go fuck yourself, Clarence Lee. You're definitely dead now and good. I hope you died of radium poisoning. I hope your fucking jaw fell off, dude. Because fuck you. And also the last of the radium girls died in the 19th. 30s so while that is happening in new jersey this trial um in illinois ottawa illinois there is another company that paints dials it's called radium dial company and they use the same method lip dip paint lip dip paint lip dip paint and you know uh, the work, the female workers started showing signs of radium poisoning in 1926 to 1927. And they did not know about like the hearings and trials in New Jersey happening. <clears throat> and so radium dial company starts giving physicals and tests to the, to, to determine the toxicity of the radium paint to its employees. But the company never told the employee the results probably because they didn't like the results um it meant they would have to shut down and they wouldn't make the money they were making and what's a what's a few jaws on the floor if you're making 
money, you know? Um, as a shitty way to try to make it better, the company released these, like, glass pins that held the paint so that the women wouldn't have to lick it, right? Um, but but it it slowed them down and they weren't able to make as many dials and they were getting paid per dial. So a lot of them just ended up going back to licking it because they got to make that coin. Um, and so then the people in Illinois start to hear word about the New Jersey, New Jersey, New Jersey women and the lawsuit it's starting to get some like media traction. And they were assured by their company that radium is harmless. This is just, these are crazy bitches. Keep sucking on the tip of that paintbrush. It's all good. Um, and then in 1927, employees start asking for compensation for dental and medical bills, but were refused by management. And they continue to demand money for sick and dying employees into the mid-1930s mid until they file their own lawsuit. So in 1937, five women, they found an attorney, attorney, but at that time, Radium Dial Company had closed in Illinois and had moved what was left of the company to New York. And so the Illinois Industrial Commission, IIC, which I don't really know what that means, uh, they got a, they, they like found a $10,000 deposit that the radium dial company left behind. Uh, and, or it like left for the IIC and it like, the, the radium dial company disclosed to the Illinois Industrial Complex Commission, not complex, that um, it couldn't, it couldn't, they couldn't cover the insurance costs of their employees. So they were just like, here's $10,000. <laughs> Fuck you, we're going to New York. Um, in 1938, the Illinois Industrial Commission ruled in favor of the women, but Radium Dial kept appealing it over and over and over. Like, like literally kept fucking appealing it every single time. And it even went so far as to go to the Supreme court in 1939. But the Supreme court was like, mm, I don't want to hear your appeal. And so the lower ruling was upheld, which was that the girls won. And so the case was won eight times before they were forced to pay. Just, mm. It's crazy. Um, so the impact that this had, the impact is that, you know, the litigation was covered widely by the media. So luckily at that time, a lot of people were able to kind of know what was going down. Um, it established legal precedents and triggered the enactment of regulations governing labor safety standards, including the baseline of provable suffering. So before this, you couldn't, if something happened at work or you got sick from work or whatever, you, you couldn't sue your employer at all. But so literally they like this case 
gave the right of individual workers to sue for damages from corporations due to later labor abuse was established as a result and like provable suffering like you just like if you can you can sh- if you can prove that some shit went down at work and that's why your life is fucked now you got a case baby um industrial safety standards were enhanced for many decades law the lawsuit and its publicity helped a step the lawsuit and its publicity helped establish the occupational disease labor law um after that radium dial painters were given like proper safety precautions like protective gear they no longer you know fucking sucked on the brush and so therefore they weren't like ingesting or breathing in the paint anymore and radium paint was actually still used in dials until the 1970s. Um, and then in 199, sorry, 1949, Congress passed a bill making all occupational disease comp- com- I'm going to kill myself. Congress eventually passed a bill in 1949 making all occupational disease I don't feel like that's the right word. You could be compensated for it. <laughs> Com- I, I wrote compensable. I don't even, I don't even know that's a word. And extended the time for workers to discover illnesses and file a claim. 1968, the Center of Human Radiobiology established to primarily provide medical examinations for living dial painters. They collected info, collected info, and tissue samples from the dial painters. The project ended in 1993. 2,403 cases, like information had been collected from them, and they led to a book on the effects of radium on humans. <clears throat> and the victims, the, the dial painter ladies, the radium girls, if you go to their graves now with a Geiger counter, which measures radioactivity, they are still highly radioactive their bodies literally their bones their bones are still extremely fucking radioactive which is insane um so end of an era uh the company did not stop making dials until 1947 illness and death from ingesting radium paint and subsequent legal action by the women caused the orange facility the new jersey one u.s radium to close in 1927 the case was settled out of court in 1928, but not before a substantial number of litigants were seriously ill or had died from bone cancer and other radiation-related illnesses. The company, it was alleged, deliberately delayed setting litigation, leading to further deaths. And in 1928, inventor of the radium-based paint... Oh yeah, I already read this. He was a victim of his own invention due to radium exposure i don't know i put that up sorry (laughs) i'm not good at this but i'll get better anyways radium girls you literally like you could not go after your employer you they didn't give a fuck about safety procedures in the workplace they slandered and ruined these women's reputation saying that they had fucking basically gaslighting them and lying to them and saying that they had syphilis and it's bullshit and 
yeah fuck yeah for those women who you know it, they were like i'm gonna fucking die anyway like i'm not even gonna be able to collect this check if i get it but let's fight this fucking company and hell fucking yeah and actually i found out through researching that there is a radium girls movie it was made in 2018 for i think the tri yeah the tribeca film festival and it was set to release i think I think they're going to try to release it in theaters in 2020, but then of course COVID. So it's actually on Netflix now. Um, and it has mixed reviews. I'll say that I did watch it, but I was like half watching it. Cause I was watching it while I was also researching and reading about it, all this, but I was impressed. I'll say it was boring in the sense of like, there wasn't a lot of cinematography. Um, like, it didn't, like, look good, you know? But also, like, you're not trying to have aesthetics when, like, you're trying to tell this very serious historical story. I was impressed by how much, like, I felt like they got historically accurate. Like, as I'm reading and I'm half watching the movie, like, things that they would say people's names they would say I would I would ha have just like read them and I was like oh whoa okay cool um I, I liked it I thought it was pretty good uh it has Joey King in it from the act and Conjuring and Kissing Booth and Ramona and Beezus the internet loves to hate her and I think I fed into it for a second because I just thought it was kind of funny but I mean Besides Kissing Booth, I like her. She's a good actor. Um, but yeah, it has a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 51% audience score. So, meh. But yeah, I just thought that was super fucking interesting. Maybe, you know, you already knew about that. Maybe you didn't. Hopefully you found it interesting. It's super fucked. Remember this, capitalism is always the bad guy, always the bad guy. The reason that they did not, you know, give a fuck when their employees' jaws started falling out of their skulls or they started fucking dying is because, you know, just they'll just hire a new dial painter and they'll keep making fucking money. Have you ever seen Jaws? The bad guy is not the shark. It is capitalism. The shark is just being a shark in the water. And they say, hey, there's a shark in the water. We should close the beach for the summer so that the shark doesn't kill people. Because, you know, it's just being a shark in the water and that's what sharks do. And they're like, no, no, no. We're not closing down the town for the summer because it's tourist season. And that's a lot of money for us. So go kill the innocent shark who's just being a shark and and living in his home, the ocean that we invaded. <clears throat> so yeah, the shark's not the bad guy. Capitalism's the bad guy. And just like in this, capitalism is the fucking bad guy. Fuck capitalism, dude. Fuck it. And I actually did not deep dive into this, but through reading about the Radium Girls, apparently this is not, I mean... Of course, this is not the first time this has happened. But apparently there was another case similar to this called Match Girls. Again, didn't read about it, but 
it was a very similar thing where like when they were making matches something where they had to like put something in their mouth or something they were told it was safe and then a lot of them it was instead of radium jaw it was called fossy jaw p-h-o-s-s-y and i think a similar thing happened like their fucking jaws fell off but like obviously i don't i should look it up right now actually first i'm gonna look up fossy jaw Fossy jaw, formerly known as phosphorus necrosis of the jaw, was an occupational disease affecting those who worked with white phosphorus, also known as yellow phosphorus, without proper safeguards. It was most commonly seen in workers in the matchstick industry in the 19th and early 20th centuries. Okay, so not that their jaws would fall off, but their it's like their jaws would like disintegrate back into their skulls, kind of. Like it's like they still have your mouth is still here, but your jaws like coming back. Crazy. Okay, I just look at pictures of it. Thank you. Okay, match match girls or matchstick girls matchstick girls or is it match girl okay okay so apparently they did try to fight it okay i'm just gonna read this article again i have not read this so we're just gonna we're gonna read it quickly <clears throat> The story of the British matchstick girls who in 1888 took strike action against the dominating patriarchal world of matchstick matching isn't what matching <sighs> matchstick making isn't well known. But these were the women who worked 14 hours a day in the East End of London and who were exposed to deadly phosphorus vapors on a daily basis. Working with white phosphorus, which was added to the tips of matches to enable a strike anywhere effect, was highly toxic and responsible for the devastating disease known as Fossy Jaw. The nickname was given by the matchmakers to the particularly nasty condition, phosphorus necrosis of the jaw, the effect literally causing the jawbone to rot. Doctors soon became soon began treating these women for the disease, which would often spread to the brain, leading to a particularly painful and horrific death unless the jaw was removed. And even then, a prolonged life was not guaranteed. But even though the risks were obvious, this was the Industrial Revolution, before employers were legally required to create safe working conditions. This meant that women on low wages continued to work long hours while exposed to the toxic impact of white phosphorus and the devastating consequences this would have on their health. Many of these women were working at Bryant and May, which is unrelated to the current Bryant and May, which also makes matches. Okay. And were Irish immigrants. They lived in abject poverty and filthy housing unfit for human habitation and were often subject to prolonged hours of backbreaking work making matches. But despite the incessant ex exploitation, the low pay and excessive fines issued simply for being late, dropping a match, or talking to others, the workers were forced to continue to work in these oppressive conditions. Times, however, were changing. Annie Besant, a well-known socialist, exposed the conditions within the factory in her article, White Slavery in London. This infuriated the factory owners, and they attempted to force the workers to sign a paper stating that they were happy with their working lives. The women refused to do this, and following the sacking of one of their own... What does that mean? Sacking? What does that mean? 
The woman refused to do this, and following the sacking of one of their own, they decided to take action. By the end of the day, 1,400 women and girls were out on strike. Ultimately, the Matchstick Girls saw all their demands achieved. Disappointingly, though, it wasn't until 1906, almost 20 years later, that white phosphorus was made illegal in the use of matchsticks. This eventually eliminated the disease in the UK. Similarly, in the US, the government chose to place a punitive tax on white phosphorus matches, and the tax was so high it made manufacturing them unrealistic. Huh. Uh, okay. Fossy jaw was thought to have been eliminated through modern day working practices, but in a twist of fate, contemporary medicine has actually resurrected this disease. A group of drugs known as buzz, buzz, by buzz. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it real confident. Like bisphosphonates, buzz, bisphosphonates. Why am I saying it with an accent? Bisphosphonates, bisphosphonates. Commonly used in cancer treatment and to reduce the impact of bone thinning was the potential to cause deterioration of the jaw. With good oral, oral care and dentistry, regular checks, and antibiotic therapy, the risk is relatively low and treatment less radical. But it shows how the development of new and innovative ways of treating medical conditions that improve and prolong life can inadvertently create other problems. The story of the plight of the matchstick girls and many women like them tells the social injustices that prevailed throughout history. But disappointingly, such suffering continues to exist in society today. Research shows hospital staff still continue to take women's pain less seriously compared with men's pain. And that less time is spent treating women who are more likely to be wrongly diagnosed. Women in their defiance continue to challenge health inequality and those who seek to oppress and exploit them not only nationally but also globally. Women in their droves are standing up for other women, as can be seen in the recent outcry across the world over vaginal mesh implants. I don't even know what the fuck that is. Women are no longer willing to accept poor health outcomes as an inevitability of their oppressed lives. Today we must continue to promote gender equality if our children and grandchildren are to have lives that are fulfilled and rewarding. To do this, we need to be as strong and courageous as the matchstick women to take action against the oppressive structures that continue to exist within a patriarchal society. Facts! Vaginal mesh implants? Oh, fuck. I just... Fuck, 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 fuck. I clicked an ad. Wait, sorry. I just need to... More than 800 UK women are taking... This is this is from uh, 2017. This is on BBC. More than 800 UK women are taking legal action against the NHS and makers of vaginal mesh implants. The implants are used to treat pelvic organ prolapse and incontinence after childbirth, but some can cut into the vagina, causing severe discomfort. Some women have been left in permanent pain, unable to walk, work, or have sex. One called the implants barbaric. The UK's medicines regulator said it sympathizes with the women affected. Kate Langley had to give up her business as a childminder because the pain was so intense she could not look after the children. The surgeon who first examined her, she explained, could see the mesh tape had come through my vagina protruding through. The mesh had cut its way through like a cheese wire. Other women reporting similar symptoms have said the perforation was so severe their partners have been injured by the mesh during sex. Miss Langley, who described the meshes as barbaric, said she has 53 hospital admissions to try and end the pain, but like many women, the mesh was so near the nerve it could not be fully removed. Holy fucking shit. 
She has been left in permanent pain by the implants and has nerve damage. Oh my. Holy shit. Oh my God. Okay. So. Okay. The plastic. Sorry. We're just going off on another thing. Uh, the plastic meshes are made of polypropylene, the same material used to make certain drink bottles and manufactured by many different companies. They're used to ease incontinence and to support organs such as the vagina, uterus, bowel, bladder, or urethra, which have prolapsed after childbirth. Claire Cooper began to experience pain three years after her operation. Doctors wrongly believed the source of discomfort was her womb, which she had removed at the age of 39. When the pain continued, she said a GP told her she was imagining it damn the news made her want to take her own life she said she mapped out her suicide but wanted to live on for her children she still lives in pain and said her husband has turned into my carer we haven't had sex for four and a half years this stuff breaks up marriages i wouldn't all be i wouldn't all be surprised if there are mesh injured women that have taken their own lives and didn't know what the problem was uh, miss cooper is one of the number of women calling for the nhs to stop fitting the implants i want the procedure banned and i want the material banned Oh, between April 2007 and March 2015, more than 92,000 women had vaginal mesh implants in England. Oh my God. About one in 11 women have experienced problems, the data suggests. Gee, I did not know about that. That is pretty fucking terrible. Um... So yeah, um, we learned a lot today. <laughs> Even I did. Um, I don't know about you guys, but my vagina hurts now. So <clears throat> it's a good time to go watch Euphoria. It's not going to make my vagina. Well, we'll see. Um, so yeah, fuck the patriarchy. Fuck capitalism. Fuck the industrial revolution. <laughs> Fuck vaginal mesh implants. Oh my god. So yeah, um, I hope you, I hope you liked. Let my my skin is crawling. Like I feel uncomfortable now. <clears throat> I wonder if I need to put a trigger warning on this. I'm not going to. Um. Hope you enjoyed this. If you listened to this whole thing, I love you. You're awesome. You're sick as hell. Why don't, you, why don't you give it a like or a comment or rate and review it or like, I don't know, something like that. If you didn't watch this, fuck you. I fucking hate you. Honey? Hi, beans. Oh! Also, thank you, Allie, to my mic stand. I really appreciate it. It didn't make this more enjoyable for me. Bye!